Hey Podnuts, Corey here from Instant House Call. Whether you're a break-fix tech who needs to provide remote support on demand without pre-installed software, or a managed service provider who wants to connect to unattended PCs anytime, Instant House Call makes remote support easy. I want to invite you to try Instant House Call free for yourself. Go to podnuts.com and click on the link in the show notes, then use the promo code PODNUTS. Instant House Call is the best remote support on earth. We can prove it. Try it free now and see for yourself. Hola mi gente, welcome to Podnuts Daily, episode 498, a show for computer repair techs by computer repair techs. I'm your host, Paco Lebron. Podnuts Daily is also brought to you by Clinic Carver, the image recovery tool for your fragmented images and video files. This is not your normal data recovery tool. I hope everyone's doing well this fine week. I am having a splendid time. As you can hear, the cough is uh, still kind of making my voice a little dramatically lower. So I wanted to go ahead and uh, kind of give a couple updates on what's going on over here and hopefully give you guys some value um, as I plan to give you guys the blueprint of how I run my business on a operational and hopefully we'll give you a couple list of vendors and some ideas on how to hopefully make your process a little bit more efficient. Um, but my first update is from that that Dell XPS 8900. Um, this is the final chapter, so to speak. Finally received it back, received the uh, work order from Dell and says that they went ahead and replaced the motherboard processor and the power button. So my thought is I have a feeling that it was probably just a power button um, that kind of started it all. And then it kind of just got its way through the motherboard and that processor from me switching out the new one with the old one and so forth and so on. So um, as a lot of people had sent in, there was some people that said the power button uh, are good host over at the computer repair podcast, Jeff. So yes, Jeff, you're right again. So I'm um, glad that got back. I will be delivering it to them tomorrow. Uh, and I'm in hopes of being able to close the nonprofit on our recurring plan. They have about 15 seats at the building. So hopefully it'll be a good uh, good win on this part, especially going into 2018. Um, other than that, just kind of really just really getting ready for 2018. Like I mentioned in the last couple episodes, uh, last night I was actually up pretty late. Uh, working on my tech site builder website. I'm transitioning all the wording and uh, effects from being residential computer repair to small business uh, centric IT support is what we are trying to do. Um, working on a couple um, copyrights. Um, let me rephrase that working with a copywriter to help get my messaging better. Um, so she's helping me out work on that portion of it for us there. We're also uh, re-engaging a lot of our old customers and a lot of our partnerships um, with our vendors, just making sure we got the full um, usage of all the tools and just other ideas of just trying to figure out what am I going to need or what can I sell that would A, help the client and B, also be able to make it profitable as well. So more to come for that and we are going to probably switch over or switch gears right now to our sponsor and our sponsor additional sponsor is Clinic Carver um you know as you know uh, from the last couple episodes I've talked I've really hyped up these guys these guys are really uh doing well and really trying to um really attack a niche 
on trying to recover uh, those fragmented files from just a badly damaged file system. And for those that haven't heard, you know, Clinic Carver is an image recovery tool for your fragmented images and video files. You know, it's not your normal data recovery tool. You know, it's specifically to recover JPEG images, um, Canon raw image files that are CR2 extensions, uh, NEF, Nikon raw image files. And again, they're working on certain variants of MP4 videos to kind of, you know, get it done. Um, and get it recovered on that part. So Clinic Carver is designed for one specific case, you know, when the file system is damaged to the extent that no useful metadata can be retrieved, it runs its algorithm to try and put it back together, which gives a much more higher percentage, 10 to 20% better recovery rate than any of your normal uh, data recovery tools. Uh, and Clinic Carver is in its early stages, but it requires calibration for many variations of file formats that are used by other different cameras. So as I mentioned in previously, there are technician licenses available, but exclusive to the PodNuts network, the developers over there are trying to get a couple samples, um, actually quite a few samples. So they're looking to get some samples so they can go ahead and just fine tune the system be able to get that over to them and um, really help out their tool to become even better. So what they're doing for the Podnets Network specifically is they want to basically do an exchange for free license keys and even free recoveries. So if you have a data recovery job that has come in and they are looking to restructure their images or you've done a data recovery and they have corrupted images um, specifically on those type of cameras or on those file sets, um, they are looking for samples so they can do the, the calibration uh, for their system. So um, if interested, click on the link in the show notes If to find out more information. It will lead you to their ticket system. Just go ahead and enter the information, click new um, or click submit, and that will allow you to get over to them. So Clinic Carver is, the, again, the tool that can recover fragmented images and video files. All right, guys. So I figured that this episode will be a more particular episode. I kind of have just given updates before. And in this case, or in this episode, what I want to do is I want to be able to provide a blueprint, um, kind of explaining to you what did I do before and all the way back to, or all the way to now on how did I get, or how am I running the residential computer repair business right as we speak. So we're going to go into the details. We're going to go into how our, how we have it all set up. We're going to go through all the tools that we're using to kind of run the system and how you can go ahead and take this information, apply it to your current business that you have right now, and also be able to hopefully be a little bit more efficient with some of the things that you have going on over there. So Back in 2011, when we had started over, um, we actually started out with a, a um, Amazon had a deal similar to compete with Groupon, Living Social, um, all those uh, coupon sites that were uh, really big or deal sites that were really big back at the time. So Amazon tried to take a hit or take a um, basically try to t- yeah take a hit, I guess it would be the best way to say is to try and get a crack at being able to get into the uh, the coupon uh, segment. So what they did was they created a system called Amazon Local. And the first iteration of it was what they did was they wanted to basically give a little bit more to the end user that's making the advertisement. But instead of it being a shotgun blast of ads all over to everyone, 
they wanted to tailor it to people that were specifically either trying to buy a part for their computer repair or were looking up reading materials on how to repair their computers and things like that because they had all that data, they had all the algorithms. So that's how they were going to try and beat the other deal sites and be a little bit more targeted for um, their particular uh, users. So what we did is we went ahead and took advantage of that. That was for our first location, which is the location that I'm currently at right now. Um, but at the time, I didn't have the location. So it was just kind of me opened up the business. We got incorporated in uh, February of 2013 um, at that time. So again, the business was founded in 2011. Uh, we just did residential onsite repairs here and there. We weren't really that serious. Um, come around 2013, that's when I buckled down, got it incorporated, got really serious about running the business. And that's when we were looking for office space. And the only reason why we were looking for office space was for the fact of this Amazon local deal. Um, the problem we were running into is we couldn't rent a UPS box. We couldn't rent a post service box because one, a post office box would actually give PO box, whatever the number is. Couldn't really do that. Didn't look professional. In my opinion, we wanted an address to look at it. Now, the unique thing about UPS and FedEx is if you get a post office box with them, they will actually allow you to use the address. So they will actually give you the address of the location that they're at and then it'll be, you know, pound suite number X. So let's say it was uh, 875. Your mailbox number was 875. So that's how they knew to route things to you. The problem was if someone was to come into the location, one, they're coming into a FedEx or UPS store. That was kind of an iffy for me on trying to establish that, um, that first customer experience and that trust. And the second piece was having them accept the equipment. Every UPS store, every FedEx store that was in the West Loop area could not do that for me. And again, accept it, have paperwork filled out and go from there. So what I ended up having to do was I went ahead and started looking for office space around the West Loop. Now, the reason why I picked the West Loop, it was purely coincidental. I didn't think about the metro stations. I didn't think about figuring out how to, I'm going to try and, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Try to really get the most out of downtown for being a Chicago area. I just simply was working in an area of the West Loop called Greektown. And I just wanted somewhere close that I can literally walk on lunch from my job over to the office. So then I got introduced to this uh, package called virtual office. Now, virtual office is what everyone know, now knows today as co-working spaces. Um, <clears throat> the cool thing about these was at the time, I was able to work it in a way with the virtual office to have our paperwork up front and have it filled out and accept the laptops for us as a package per se. Now, there was a little things that we had to tweak because I went with the uh, work, uh, the co-working space Regis and they charge you for everything. I'm talking about paper, copier, um, phone, Internet, you name like at that minimum package that you can get, which at the time I think it was about 50 bucks, 40, 50 bucks. Um, you had to pay for everything. And for any any time the staff had to do something for you. For every 15 minutes, it was 
So at the time, I didn't have that type of money, nor was I going to pay that on every invoice. And that was something I had to grow. So what I did was I actually changed it up. Instead of them filling out the paperwork for the customer, I had them hand over the paperwork to the customer to fill out. Basically, that's not them doing really much. They're keeping it at the front desk. They're not doing any much work. They're not doing, it's literally practically five seconds. And that's how I've gotten by avoiding that fee over the last several years. So I picked my virtual office, which is right by the uh, big metro stations by in Chicago. We went ahead and got the uh, paperwork at first. I actually just created my own intake form, created my own intake form. It was in Word. Um, I had uh, bought this perforated paper where it was eight and a half by 11. Um, the bottom portion was a tear off. So you can hand it to the customer as their receipt. And that was it. So how it worked was customer would find us on Google Maps, Yelp, or just by Google searching and finding our website. They would come to the location and they would talk to the lobby security in the front since they didn't really know who it was, but they knew that they had a co-working space in the eighth floor or actually at the time it was floor 18 because we were at the penthouse and then we moved. Um, They would actually call up to the front reception. Front reception would say, yep, this is uh this is the place, etc. Send them up. They would go ahead and send them up. And they would go ahead and tell them what the issue was with the computer. And it was either two choices. Or I'm sorry, three choices. It was either they talked to the receptionist, which the receptionists were already guided to be able to go ahead and do um our word tracks, which was our diagnostic fee of $79. It takes one to two business days for it to be prepared. And then we can kind of move forward and go from there. B, if they wanted to talk to a technician, they would go ahead and call me and then I can talk to them over the phone because either I'm at home or I'm at another job, et cetera. And that's what was told. I'm not in the office right now. We can get you a hold of a tech or three. If they wanted to come back later, we would take their information and I will call them back. So that's kind of how we went ahead and worked it back then, similar to kind of what we do uh, now. But that was kind of how we got by, by those that went ahead and dropped off their equipment, went ahead and did the diagnostic and kind of went from there. So once they would drop it off, they would send an email to me. I would go out, go down there, pick up the laptop, bring it home, do my diagnostic. And at the time I was using uh, tech suites, tech USB, which I currently do use sometimes now. Um, but there's been a lot of times where for some reason it's just not syncing. It's not, um, the, the, something with the computer and my USB drives are not talking right. So I'll just run the PC diagnostics on the laptop just to figure out of the two components that are going to be problems. If it's a hard drive or a memory, it's a quick fix. If it's some other issue that came in, then obviously, you know, it'll be uh, addressed as it goes from there. We basically enter all the information in repair shopper. We send the emails or we'll give them a call and just try to figure out what we do for moving forward. Once they let us know, yep, this is what we want to go ahead and do. uh, We would move forward with the repair, get the repair done, bring it back to the office, let them go ahead. We would shoot an email, letting them know, come by, pick it up. And they would come by, pick it up. And that was pretty much it. Money exchanged through repair shoppers, uh, online invoice, and everyone got paid. Everyone got their stuff fixed. That was kind of how everything went from there. So 
through that whole process, I've, I have mentioned this process specifically probably quite a few times over on this show, on the Computer Repair Live show, even when I was with uh, Matthew Rodella over at the Computer Business Marketing Show, uh, or I'm sorry, in the Computer Business Podcast before it became the Computer Business Marketing Show. And that's kind of how we've talked about in general. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and dissect it a little bit on what those individual things that I did and how I was able to do it. So going back to virtual office. Now, a virtual office is basically, like I mentioned, a co-working space. I happen to use Regis. There are plenty of other ones that are out there as well. There's DaVinci, there's WeWork, there are um, MakeSpace, there is another one. And so here's the other thing. You don't have to go with commercial um, co-working spaces like these, especially if you have like a smaller town, you may not be able to have access to a lot of these things as well. Now, the cool thing about this is there may be a little bit of a smaller co-working space and they may not call themselves co-working space. They may actually call themselves a um, hot desk, um, uh, open desk, open area. Um, So play around with the words because again, it was first called virtual office. Now this is the term that's being used by everyone right now. And if you find someone that is not in the commercial area. So when I say commercial, I mean like these big brands, they have processes, they have it set up. You may be able to find a specific uh, co-working space that is just a one-man shop. Those tend to be the best because you can actually work out things in your agreement that would be a little bit more flexible than let's say a Regis, a DaVinci, um, et cetera, to be able to get the things that I mentioned. Now, technically, I'm kind of bending the rules for my office to accept those laptops in the beginning because I didn't rent a virtual office package, which is what they're calling it today. I was renting their mailbox plus is what they call it today, which is basically an address to accept packages. I kind of bent it where they were accepting laptops, which it's the same play on words is what I kind of did with the office there. And that's how I was able to keep my costs cheap. So you want to work into doing something like that where you can go ahead and see if you can work out a deal where they can accept the laptops, keep it in storage and be able for you to pick it up at a later point or for them to call you. And if you're available to go ahead and stop by and pick it up. Now, for those that are part time, this is going to be hard because especially if you get out of work at five, a lot of virtual offices tend to close at five. So finding those that have access after hours is going to be essential. Also, you want to try and work on processes where see if you can get out of work or something that's nearby work so you can schedule your time so you can walk out, pick up your stuff, bring it back to you and go from there. So that's the virtual office piece. The second piece is what did we use for our phone systems? Now, what we had the problem was is that I previously was using Google Voice for both my office number and for the main personal number or or my own business number because I didn't want to give out my number as I called out. The problem I ran into with Google Voice was as I started forwarding my phones over, which right now my front desk actually picks up my phones uh, for any calls that come in for the business. But before I was using a answering service that just answered the calls, took a message and went from there. And I've also used white label help desks uh, such as Chris Carruthers um, and others that are out there that do white label um, remote support. And the problem that we were running into was as I forwarded the number, the handshake between Google Voice and their system didn't happen all the time. And I would get calls and emails, uh, voicemails that were stating 
calls were being dropped, calls were being um, sent to busy signals and things like that. So I realized, uh, you know, bright, really early that Google Voice was not going to be a, uh, an acceptable vendor slash uh, phone system for me to be able to use. So I transfer, I went from Google Voice to Vonage personal line now or uh, home, you uh, what was it home business or residential? That's what it was. Uh, Vonage residential uh, line. And what they were able to do is because I didn't want anything fancy, I just wanted the number to ring and it will go directly to whoever was picking it up, whether it was the answering service or the white label um, remote help desk. So that worked for a while. But then as I grew, I wanted to get a little bit fancier. I wanted to have a voice prompt. I wanted to be able to have um, call screeners, be able to uh turn off the system to be able to for different holidays and things like that. So what I was able to do was I went from Vonage uh, residential to a company called UMA, which was OOMA. Now they were okay. Um, you had to purchase their hardware, hook it up to your system. And that's how it kind of worked for that phone system. I was having problems where the handshake, not as often, but probably the same as what was happening with Google voice where connected calls were going busy or the connected transfers weren't even going at all. So I ended up having to move from UMA. And at the time, Vonage actually purchased another company and turned it into Vonage business. So I then went from going from UMA, going back to Vonage business. And I was happy with them for a while. Um, I think I had a good price for about a couple months and then they went up to about $80 or so um, for one line and that's the external number and one virtual uh, extension, which was my line that came in. Well, then I was introduced to a company called 8x8, which we've all heard uh, some many stories over on PodNuts Pro. And 8x8 uh, basically cut my bill in half. And that's who I've been using ever since. And I pretty I pay about four, anywhere from 40, about 40 bucks or so, uh, 45 bucks on that particular um at that time. And I've had it for now for probably the past maybe four, probably about a good four years now um, that I have uh, been using eight, eight by eight and it does everything I need. It works. Their app works. Um, I can call from my cell phone and it'll call out on their app from there. I can use, uh, they gave me a phone hooks up to my, vo uh, to my internet. I can make phone calls out with no problem, calls receive in, and you can even use it on your desktop if you wanted to use the desktop app as well. So that's what I currently use. But there are many other great ones that are out there. There is Ring Central. Um, there is Grasshopper, which kind of has similar features like Google Voice. And that's kind of really um, the phone systems that I had that allowed me to not only communicate to my clients, whether I'm on the road or I'm at the actual office or in the home office, but it was really cool that I can actually coordinate certain things. So per, by certain hours, it'll be going to the front help desk. If it goes to after five, it goes to the direct voicemail for us. And that's kind of how we organized it. Holidays, we went ahead and have the phone systems go straight to voicemail with different greetings and audio systems. And we kind of went from there. So that covers the virtual office that covers the phone system. Now, how did we do with our paperwork? So again, as I mentioned, we created our stuff with word docs. Um, it was just handwritten and went from there. And then I went ahead and purchased the technical business tool, uh, kit. And that has really helped me out a lot with the specific work order form. Um, 
I actually had modified it a little bit. So it's just a one sheet where they signed a fr front and then on the back, it basically has the disclaimers and the disclaimers that I have that I modified are two things. One, I added a storage fee. So if a client does not pick up their laptop within two weeks, we add a $50 storage fee. The second piece that we add is after 30 days, obviously the equipment is ours, but all payment is due within seven days. Now, I specifically put that in there for those that, you know, normally we don't do a lot of net sevens unless it's a business that we've done a lot of work with. But we put it in there so that they're aware that after, you know, seven days, they need to make that payment. And so that's what we have on the back of those contract on those invoice terms. And that's what I modified um, on the technical uh, business kit for my business for that. Um kind of just the, the whole picking up and coming back, uh, as you know, downtown kind of really sucks at parking. So I was able to find some good street parking, but sometimes you just don't have the cash or sometimes the card is just not in reach or maybe you forget your wallet. Um, so what I use, there's an app called Park Chicago, and I'm not sure if your city may have this type of app where you can load the money in there and you can actually pay through the app to pay for your parking and then kind of go on your way. So there's no more feeding the meter. There's no more having to use the credit card. You can just go through and just go on your way. So that's what I've kind of been doing. I've also had uh, opportunities where they have docks, loading docks, so I can park in the docks, run in, run back out, kind of going from there. As I pick up the laptop, get home, plug it up, I run my tech USB, as I mentioned before with uh, TechSuite or running the PC diagnostics. Um, and there are other uh, tools that are out there too. I know Jeff uses uh, TechSuite. He also uses the uh, PC doctor. Um, that is a great piece of tool, uh, hardware, which a lot of, uh, manufacturers actually have re repackaged their system into the PC diagnostics as well. So that's a cool tool to use for diagnostics and things like that. Um, we'll probably go into another episode for more details as far as like, you know, virus removals and types of jobs and how you can troubleshoot. And, but as far as diagnostics, that's what we do. We run through that portion of it and we actually have it set up where it'll go into our repair shopper. So what I do is with that work order, I will actually create the ticket um, manually from the paperwork into repair shopper. Once I have that done, I scan the paperwork and I actually upload it into the repair shopper system. Now through repair shopper, I have it set up where my process is intake, diagnostic and approval. So there is a canned response that I save in repair shopper that says, Hey, this is our diagnostic. This is what we found. We're going to send you an estimate on how much it's going to cost. Can it, you know, can response insert email sends it right out, has no problem. Sends it out to the person. And then we go into the estimate, we create the estimate, and then we go ahead and email the estimate out. Once they get the estimate and we tell them once you approve or, um, by replying or in the actual portal, we will go ahead and convert the invoice or convert the estimate into an invoice and we will email that to you shortly thereafter. So we'll get the approval. We convert the estimate. It gets sent out to them. They go ahead and we only have the credit card portion enabled. So we only have it through and our credit card processor is Vantive. Um, you can go and uh, repair shopper. You can do um, PayPal as well. Or if you're using a different billing system, you, the, the biggest piece is trying to make it as easy as possible for the customer and as easy for you. Because the last thing you want is they show up at the office. I want to pay my bill, you know, et cetera, et cetera. 
and it goes from there. And my rule of thumb is if it's just a reinstallation, I'll tell them, here's the invoice and I'll start the work anyway because they've already approved it and they can't pick up the laptop until it's done. Um, if there is a part that needs to be ordered, what I do is ask them to pay the invoice up front because I say, because parts are being ordered and there was somebody on uh, one of the live shows uh, way back when that had said, We're, you're not a bank. And that's something that I want to make sure you guys understand. Do not stretch yourself thin, especially when you're trying to build this business because I've done it and it sucks. So make sure you get paid up front, make sure you get all that good and then you get that set up. So that's what we ended up doing. We get paid up front, we do the repairs, and I usually order my parts from a couple of places. It'll either be through Amazon with a couple of vendors that I normally order from, or I'll check for eBay for some of the uh, harder parts to try and grab. If it's re refer recertified or refurbs, I'll try and go through Amazon vendors as well. Um, if it's new, I will use my distributor, which is I use DNH, um, which doesn't have a fee to enroll. And they're right in Bolingbrook. They're not that far from me. I usually get stuff next day. And that's when I usually get for all my new stuff. Um, outside of that, get everything fixed, done. I go back downtown. I give the, the computer back once it's been repaired, send it over to them. They'll, and then once I drop it off, I then send an email saying, hey, we've completed your repair. Feel free to stop by when you get a chance. And then uh, thank you for your time. And what we do is we actually leave a handwritten card inside the laptop and we do follow-ups two days after uh, once the ticket is closed. So once the laptop has been picked up two days after, we send them a link saying it's a greeting from me that says, hey, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for your support. If you can give me a chance and fill out a survey, we just want to know if we were we did a great job and did we do a great experience for you as best as possible. And that's pretty much what they'll do. Um, then we follow up again after two weeks. Hey, how's everything been going? Then after three months, hey, has the machine been working? If you haven't had a chance, can you leave us a review? And then we usually put Google because Google reviews are so much easier to get. Yelp, I was, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Yelp is the mafia. So they tend to filter uh, reviews. It's such a pain unless they are active Yelp users. So I just go directly to Google for stuff, but I do realize Yelp is a necessary evil. So I try to encourage those that are regular Yelp users to try and do that as well. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much it. And then we follow up again after a year. Hey, how's everything been going? Um, and then we just close out the ticket or I'm sorry, that's kind of the whole life cycle of a customer in our system. So hopefully you brought, got some value out of all that. If there are any questions, if I ran through something that you're kind of having a little, you want to get a little bit more details out of, definitely let me know. Um, but yeah, I mean, if that's pretty much it guys, um, that's going to be uh, concluding our portion of residential computer report. That's kind of the blueprint of what I've done or am doing up until 2018. And, um, hopefully it helps you out. So if you guys want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at Chi Tech CEO, C-H-I-T-E-K-C-E-O, or on LinkedIn, Paco LeBron. And if you guys want to be a guest on the show, send an email at guest at podnuts.com. I want to thank our sponsors, Instant House Call and Clinic Carver for this episode of Podnuts Daily. 
Don't forget, if you need business paperwork to get your get you started in your computer repair business, then check out the link for Technible Computer Business Kit over at podnuts.com slash deals. Help support the Podnuts network by giving a dollar a month through our subscribe button over at podnuts.com or at patreon.com podnuts. I want to thank everyone for listening and subscribing to the show and see you next time on Podnuts Daily. Music provided by Steve Cherubino at stevecherubino.com.